What's up, guys? Max here, back with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope you're all doing well. What's up in the chat to Eviana, Harry Lime Pie, Nuggets, back in school, first day back in school. Don't let those Marines tell you your grades don't matter. You do well in school. You'll set yourself up for success. Ika, Curse Boy, Grayskull having the worst day of his life. Mudrock, what's up? Great to see you in the chat. Hna, we've got Alex. Thank you. We're doing great out here, and the blue light is on because... I have upgraded it to be a one-button solution. I press one button, all the lights in this room come on. Uh, Pedro, what's up? Welcome to the chat. Ike, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling better every day, almost 100%. Been exercising, feeling fantastic. Thank you very much for asking. Um, how are you guys doing? Let me hit you with the uh, about yesterday really quick. So it's about to be the anniversary of September 11th, the 20-year anniversary. And yesterday I was watching, I started watching the documentary on Netflix called Turning Point, all about 9-11. And I just want to tell you guys, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's pretty well done. It's uh, very, very emotional to watch that first episode, those first couple episodes about the attacks on 9-11. And if you guys are looking for a good doc on that to come uh, to watch coming up on the 20th anniversary of the attacks on the World Trade Centers and the history of the United States' relationship with Osama bin Laden and the Mujahideen and Taliban and all that stuff. It's a great documentary. It talks about all that stuff and the going back to the Reagan administration. So far, so good. Uh, I just want to let you guys know about that. Icosahedron, what's up? Justin Max getting that Domino's money. Uh, Corporal AB11 Bravo, what's up? Great to see you in the chat. We have some crazy stories today. We have a story out of uh, South Korea, Camp Humphreys, that shook me to the core. Not good. Not good. We have an update on the sailors that were killed on the USS Abraham Lincoln. The Navy's talking about possible causes for that crash. An update on one of the sailors, the sailor killed in Afghanistan by the suicide bomber. And the Army's trying to teach its troops how to date. And, uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think it's probably... Probably not a good idea for the Army to get involved in the dating lives of its troops, the way that the Army has a track record of uh, not doing so well with personal relationships, romantic relationships, and their soldiers. Justin says, I was in electronics class freshman year, and I watched the second one live. I was in... Why don't you guys let me know if you remember where you were on 9-11-2001. I, uh, I was in chemistry class. I was in chemistry class, Poughkeepsie, New York, and a kid started running through the hallways of our high school yelling, America's under attack. And we did not know what to make of that. But shortly after, we were sent home from school to go back to our homes and our families and watch what unfolded on TV. From where I lived in New York, people would com commute into the city for work. I had friends with family who were you know, in the, in the Twin Towers at the time. Um, insane. I, I, I can still remember it like it was yesterday. It's the ultimately big part of the reason why I joined the Navy. I'm super proud that I was able to go to Afghanistan twice and Iraq. And, uh, you know, just when you think you don't remember, you know, how it felt, you watch the video clips of those planes going into the towers and the people on the street. You hear a story from a firefighter or a police officer who was there that day and you're right back in that moment. It's crazy. Having worked in New York City from 1989 to 1996, the attacks hurt some people I knew. Sorry to hear that, Larry. It is, uh, what's that saying? If the military wanted me to have a wife, they'd give me one. Yeah, exactly. Grayskull was still just a dream. Grayskull was nothing but some cells bundled up getting ready to be born. That's crazy. It's so, you know, I met, like I was telling you guys, I'm actually, okay, so here's another update. I'm shooting a music video this Saturday with a, uh, a hip-hop artist out here in Okinawa, a rapper, John Tate, the Kid. You guys remember we did a listening of his album on here, and I got some of you out there downloading his music. We're doing a music video this Saturday, and uh, and he was born after 9-11. He was born after 9-11. He was born in 2002, which is insane. Insane. So there are people in the military right now born after 9-11, which is so wild to me um, as the war in Afghanistan ends and people come home from there, but are still in Iraq and other countries, Africa, some other countries in the Middle East. Uh, let's not forget that there are still people deployed and that just because we're out of Afghanistan does not mean by a long shot that the war on terror is over. There's still stuff going on in the Pacific, stuff going on in Africa. There's terrorist cells, Al-Qaeda and ISIS all over the place. So let's, uh, let's not forget that as always. 
Let's also uh, take a minute to talk about today's first story. Speaking of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, I'm going to get right into today's first story because we have some awesome stuff to talk about today. And I want to I want to uh, get you guys started off with something heartwarming, a nice gesture, but it's still sad news. We have a couple things today that are going to be sad to talk about. We've got Navy corpsman killed in Kabul, Max Soviak. Airport attack, posthumously promoted and awarded Purple Heart. So Max here, Maxton Soviak, has been getting, I've seen him all over the place, his face, his story, the kind of person that he was so, uh, so much since the attack that resulted in the loss of his life when an ISIS suicide bomber detonated in that crowd when they were trying to get people out of Afghanistan. Here he is. I've seen this picture. I was wondering what this was of him winning an inner service wrestling match. So dominating on behalf of the Navy, he was a Marine fleet, Marine force corpsman, which is a great job. Shout out to all the FMF corpsmen out there. The Navy corpsman who was killed last month in the suicide bombing at the Abbey Gate of Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul has been posthumously promoted and awarded the Purple Heart and Fleet Marine Corps Corpsman Warfare Badge. So he's going to be posthumously promoted to HM3. So that will be what he's remembered as on his service record, on his tombstone. If he chooses to chooses that, if that was in his, uh, his I don't remember what they call it, but you fill out this form before you go on deployment that are all your your wishes if you die if you were to die on deployment how do you want to be buried what do you who's your next of kin what do you want on your gravestone how do you want your funeral to be do you want to be buried cremated all that stuff you ha- for 18 19 year old kids going on their deployment it's weird stuff to think about i kind of always brushed it off like it's not going to happen to me i wonder how many people out there do that or how many people out there go and carefully fill out everything and actually put some thought into it i think i just put you know, cremated, no funeral. Green Block, $2 super chat. Wrestle me. Thank you. Well, if you see me out in town, you just let me know. That, give me a give me a heads up. Don't don't catch me off guard. And you let me know if you uh, if you see me out in town. Um, hospital corpsman third class, Maxton Soviak, was among the 13 service members killed in August 26 bombing. It says here, Petty Officer Soviak gave the ultimate sacrifice and service to this country, said Carlos Del Toro, Secretary of the Navy. While this promotion and the Fleet Marine Force Corpsman Warfare Badge are awarded posthumously, I have no doubt his dedication to this nation, his displayed skill as a hospital corpsman, and devotion to the mission at hand warrant this recognition. Getting a posthumous promotion is a very nice gesture for the Navy to do. They've promoted people posthumously to Chief, to E6, to E5, whatever you name it, they've been they've done it. Uh, and it is a nice gesture. It's nice for the family that they'll retire his career from the Navy as a, as a petty officer, um, instead of a seaman hospital man, I guess. Max was always smiling. It said, says here, we had a lot of good conversations. That's the person who taught Soviet electrical technology at a career center while he was in high school. Max was good for pulling shenanigans and liked to get other people to laugh. And there's a picture here. There's a photo here of him jumping off of a, a platform in Guam. And the a caption here is, because also, if the world was coming to an end, I don't want to close my eyes without feeling like I lived, which is great. I mean, this sounds like he was a great guy. He just sounds like a really special guy. And, uh, and I'm glad to see that the Navy is continuing to honor him, just like I'm sure the different branches are honoring everyone that was lost. I've seen a lot of stuff that the Marine Corps has been doing. I saw people doing a hike out at Camp Pendleton up to, uh, I don't remember what the hill is called, but at the top, there is a memorial to all fallen Marines and they make this hike up at Camp Pendleton and they leave behind beer or cigarettes or dip or whatever, you know, something that that person loved, uh, something very Marine Corps centric and, uh, and leave it as an honor to that person's life. And I think that that's great. So shout out to, uh, to the Navy for doing that and to the families of all those affected by that suicide bombing, including those who are still recovering from their injuries. Uh, a lot of intensive care, um, I think everyone who was in that blast ended up in the intensive care unit. And I, I hear that they're a lot of them are recovering. Well, they're all back at Walter Reed or back in the United States. So I hope that they're all doing well. And I, and I imagine as time goes on, we'll hear more stories of heroism and courage that day because dealing with a 30, 40 person mass casualty is, is nothing to, to scoff at. It's a, it's a major event. And, uh, and it would have required massive heroic efforts from, and not just Americans and in another hundred Afghans. So I'm sure that there were many heroic efforts that day. And I'm looking forward to getting the chance to honor the heroes out there on that day, the 26th of August. So I'll, I'll keep covering that. 
Let's see. My son was two weeks old on 9-11, Larry says. Shield Ship Wolf says, but what happened if North Korean president and his sister was killed by two unknown snipers? I don't know. What's the, where's that coming from? I was super young at swim class. I didn't understand, but I remember seeing my dad's reaction. World War Three has begun. A hundred billion trillion people will die in the crossfire. That's a lot of people. I was working at a Phoenix Sky Harbor when 9-11 happened. Most everyone was sent home for at least a couple weeks after that. Seeing no planes in the sky for days on end remains beyond surreal to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's crazy. Fast forward to this year and running around with some young lads in the woods just out of basic, most of which were yet to be born on 9-11 happened. Wow. Wow, that's, that is amazing, huh? That is amazing. You've got, uh, you've got all of us with these memories of how patriotic everyone was feeling at the time, how together everyone was. I think that's one really beautiful thing about the United States of America. Even even though we all pretty much hate each other and never give each other a break and never show each other any compassion or empathy or anything like that, especially on the internet, when it comes down to it, uh, at the end of the day, it's kind of like somebody picking on your little brother or sister. You know, you don't mess with the family. You know, you don't mess with the United the country. You come in from the outside, you mess with the United States. We can all get together and uh, and bring that ass whooping for sure. So that's uh, that's one good thing. A lot of countries don't have that same mentality. A lot of countries around the world don't have that same mentality. I'm glad we saved as many as we could from the blast. Wish we saved more. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish it never happened at all. Those suicide vest mission, you know, ISIS bomber missions are extraordinarily lethal um, and effective. It's just. It's just like speaking of 9-11, the suicide mission of, of flying planes into the Twin Towers that nobody had ever even imagined. Nobody had ever even considered the possibility of that. So after it happened, nobody even knew what to do. That's why it was able to, you know, happen three more times that day. It's, it's terrifying. I was, wa- you know, watching that documentary and they talk about the one that crashed into the Pentagon and they have stories of, from, it, from the people inside who were trapped inside the Pentagon and them trying to get out. I feel like people forget about the Pentagon when talking about 9-11. It doesn't come up as much um, as, the, as the New York City attacks or United 93, the one that the passengers regained control of and took down in the fields. This is, it, it always bugs me, too, when people bring out the conspiracies, the truthers. I, I mean, it's just not, they're not right. Me and my friend looked at each other as the towers fell and thought the same thing. We're about to bomb the crap out of some brown people. Yeah, that's one way to put it. But, uh, you know... Yeah, another thing was watching the uh, watching all of Congress saying um, "God bless America" that night together. Every member of Congress came together and sang "God bless America" at the Capitol that night, um, which is a nice gesture too. And then the largest uh, land invasion of all time, or or I should say, uh, invasion of land from the sea, Operation Anaconda, where the Marines went into Afghanistan. The largest. Maritime invasion of all time from the sea to the land, Operation Anaconda, the invasion of Afghanistan. And then 20 years of uh, conflict. Wow. Can't believe it. 20 years. 20 years coming up this weekend. Unbelievable. Are you guys doing a stair climb? Are you guys doing an event? Are you guys doing anything for 9-11? Is there any, what do you do? How do you, how do you spend the day? What do you do to honor the day? Let me know in the comments. We've got a... Uh, Getting off that subject a little bit here, um, I've got a story. We talked about the National Guard deployed down at the southern border, lost one of their troops to COVID, lost one of their troops to COVID, and that is sad. We had another one from Maine charged with sexual assault just the other day, but this takes the cake as far as the worst story out of the National Guard down the southern border we've had yet. Alcohol ban hits National Guard border mission after DWI death involving soldiers, unfortunately. So, a Georgian National Guard soldier assigned to the federalized National Guard mission at the southwestern border was arrested and charged with manslaughter Sunday morning. In other words, in my opinion, murder. Within hours, a ban on alcohol consumption and a new curfew for all guardsmen on the Title 10 border mission was instated. Classic military move right there. After something like this, just put everything on lockdown. Just total, total uh, uh, control over the situation. Not, not letting anything else happen in the wake of this. <clears throat> Specialist Bianca Farmer was driving a GSA rental vehicle 
with two other soldiers on Interstate 2 in McAllen, Texas, when she lost control of the vehicle and struck a pair of light poles, according to a source familiar with the incident. The source spoke with Army Times on condition of anonymity in order to discuss an ongoing investigation. First responders quickly arrived on scene and pronounced specialist Nashira Whitaker of the Louisiana National Guard deceased. An NCO from the Georgia National Guard suffered non-life-threatening injuries, and of course, the driver's fine. According to jail records available online, the McAllen Police Department arrested the driver, farmer, and charged her with intoxicated manslaughter with a vehicle, driving while intoxicated, and intoxicated assault with a vehicle. And here is uh, the driver, Bianca Farmer, who's now, her life is ruined, a life is lost, and another one injured. And let me just tell you guys something. I don't know who out there needs to hear this, but you or your buddy are not good at drunk driving. There's always that one idiot out there who goes, no, I'm a good, I'm better driving drunk, actually. I'm better after a few beers. I'll, I'll take the keys. I'm, I'm a good drunk driver, and I can text while I'm doing it, too, actually. I can actually use my knees to steer the vehicle and, uh, and, and then send some texts out for the after party. Make sure somebody gets over to, uh, to 7-Eleven to buy a 30 rack before they close. And I got this. I'm going to drive us all home. No problem. Don't listen to that psychopath. There is no such thing as someone who's good at drinking and driving. It's just a matter of time until they kill themselves and other people as well. The soldiers were all assigned to Joint Task Force North, which consists of more than 3,000 troops from the Guard and other components of the military, providing detection and monitoring, logistics and transportation support to U.S. and Customs Border Protection. Army Times was told that the, that the uh, North spokesperson has no further information to provide on the crash beyond the Louisiana National Guard's public acknowledgement of Whitaker's death, as there is currently an ongoing investigation. So this was the only, it says, the most recent string of service member deaths in National Guard troops. One died of COVID-19. There was also that sexual assault case. Um, and another Louisiana National Guard soldier in July, who was assigned to the same company as Whitaker, died when multiple civilian vehicles struck him while crossing the McAllen Street at 3.30 a.m. A source with knowledge of the incident told Army Times that officials believe the soldier was intoxicated. We didn't even have that story. We didn't even, I didn't even hear about this one. Multiple civilian vehicles struck a Louisiana National Guard soldier from the same company. What's going on out there? Within hours of the incident, the commander of the Guard Task Force on the mission issued a new policy memo completely banning the possession and consumption of alcohol for all Guard troops down there on that Title 10 mission. And here's the victim, Specialist Nashira Whitaker. This is an undated photo killed in the car crash while assigned to the Federal Border Mission. I believe that's a PV2 in the Army. Correct me if I'm wrong. Her rank that she's wearing on her chest is PV2. So she's the victim. She was the one killed. A life cut short because of a stupid ass drunk driving incident. Absolutely out of control. The current environment, processes, and procedures within the Joint Operations Area of Operation Phoenix Guard are failing to prevent alcohol-related misconduct, said Colonel Bradley Leonard, commander, commander of the 110th. And uh, yeah, it just goes on to say more about the uh, the mission that they're doing down there and the measures that they're taking to prevent uh, this from happening again, including a zero tolerance alcohol policy, which people are just going to break that. And then the same stuff's going to happen. People are going to break the zero tolerance alcohol policy. They're going to continue to do bad stuff. I don't know. You lock up a bunch of uh, people into doing some crazy mission on the Southern border and put them in probably horrible living conditions and send them down there for way too long and in with inappropriate support and you get bad stuff, I guess. But um, just drinking and driving is, is so stupid. I, I, I knew a guy who got in a drunk driving accident, killed somebody, went to prison. I knew somebody else who very similar situation, only the victim didn't die. They were handicapped permanently and he went to jail. It's just so stupid. It's so stupid. You're not a good drunk driver. No one is. Me and my friend looked at each other as the towers fell and thought the same thing. We're about to bomb the crap out of some... Oh, yeah, I read the, we got that comment. Our school put everyone in the gym bleachers and the choir teacher and her husband sang Imagine by Paul McCartney, McCartney and sent us home. That's an interesting approach. Damn, it's more than just sad to hear. Marines scared of after finding out booze can be banned. Yeah. This 9-11, I'm going to a car show than karaoke competition at the VFW. Nice. Midnight. Make sure you guys are checking out the... If you guys want to know about the war in Afghanistan, make sure you go over to Midnight Chow's podcast YouTube channel and listen to his episodes talking to people who were at the Battle of Camdash. Bro, why she look like a hood rat? You know, nobody looks good on their mugshot, especially after they find out they just killed somebody. I bet that's a factor. Drunk people always think they're the best drivers. I've had to wrestle a few to stop them from driving. Yep, drunk people uh, always think that they're not that drunk. 
You know, no matter how many times you drink, no matter how many nights out you have, it's always the same thing. Once that alcohol hits you, it's not you anymore. Saturday is the home opener of my college football team. Being close to CENTCOM, McDill will have a remembrance. I'd expect the SOCOM freefall team delivering the game ball and a military flyover. That's, that's great. Love that. What's up, angry contractor? Welcome to the chat. Only morons will drive drunk. Beer drinking is a sport in the military. Very true. Very true. You know, I love, I love beer. I love beer. I love to drink, but I drink responsibly. I, I never drink and drive. I never go out and start fights. I just love to drink and have fun. And when it stops being fun, I take myself home. That's it. It's, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't really drink until I was a little older into my 20s. I just drank like occasionally here and there, but I wasn't really a big fan of like recreational drinking because I had a, a family who was devastated by alcohol abuse and drug abuse. And as a result, I waited until I was a little bit older to really go out and get my party on, which really started around the time I did my first deployment to Afghanistan. Um, I did my normal sailor stuff, you know, overseas, partying overseas, whatever, um, beer pong in people's garages, but the partying really started for me around the time I went to Afghanistan in 2009, the first time. And, uh, and then until I got out of the Navy pretty much with uh, Naval special warfare, big time party culture in, uh, in special operations. It's no joke. People like to party. That is very, 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 uh, I can confirm that I should say. Hey, Max, how does the military deal with underage drinking? With uh, non-judicial punishment, typically. So if you're curious, if you get caught underage drinking in the military, you will probably lose rank, forfeit pay, maybe spend a little time on restriction and living in the barracks, not allowed to leave, doing a bunch of uh, stupid tasks all day long for just having a few drinks underage. If you, if you are buying beer for underage people, you can expect the same thing. They maybe even will go harder on you uh, if you're out there providing alcohol to underage people. Do people participate in underage drinking? For sure. Do people go to like command parties and underage drink? Absolutely, 100%. But if you get busted, getting into trouble for underage drinking, then uh, you're in huge trouble. If you are overseas and the legal age of drinking is like 18 or something like that, then there, there's leniency with that. You can go out and drink in many cases. Um, unless the ship or command puts different rules on you. But in a lot of cases, you can go out and drink when you're younger, uh, depending on what country you're in, what you know command you're a part of and all that stuff. A lot of times they adhere to, uh, to local law. They'll go with local law or they could be more um, conservative and just say any drinking is banned, no underage drinking, whatever. Um, it, so it varies, but you can expect if you get caught underage drinking in the United States, for example, out of, out of the barracks or whatever, that you could be facing a non-judicial punishment situation going from E3 to E2 or something like that. Nuggets got the quote of the day for me. How do you party on an aircraft carrier ship? Well, you don't really party on an aircraft carrier ship. Even if you have a beer day, you're usually limited to like two beers unless you can sneak them. But uh, when you hit those ports is when it goes down. 45-45, extra duty on the boat, underage drinking. Yep, 2004. Oh, you got one. You got yourself a little uh, NJP. All right. All right. What ship were you on at the time? If you get a second ARI, it's automatic out of the military. I don't know about that, Justin. I don't know about automatic. I don't know if that's in doctrine, but I know it's frowned upon. I'm not sure. I would have to check the current, uh, the current deal. But you know, the Navy was going to a weird thing. When they started talking about alcohol in the Navy, it was like the Navy trying to break the stigma of drinking or like sailors being drunks. And uh, they went to this 3330 or something like that. It was like, you'll never drink more than three nights a week. You'll never drink more than three beers a night. You'll never, maybe it was 330, like, and zero drinking and driving or drinking and going to work or something like that. <clears throat> they had this thing, 330, something like that. I'm definitely guilty of doing the squid shuffle staggering around Norfolk, Virginia Beach on foot. We usually party at friends' house and then walk to the bar and clubs. Yep. Oh, yeah. Been there. Been there on the Ike. <clears throat> okay. So you, so you were mustering in the hangar bay with the red badge. Uh, they, it was always funny on the ship. It was always, it was always uh, funny on the ship when you would go into a port and there would be like the people who were on restriction or whatever after you get NJP in the Navy, they would call it restriction. And you would be forced to muster like 12 times a day. And even when you're off duty 
and you would have to do all this extra work and extra cleaning and stuff. And whenever we would pull into port, there would be like four rows of five people on restriction. And then the day after we pull back out to sea, there would be like 12 rows of 10. And it would be the whole hangar bay of people on restriction. I'm not exaggerating. I am not exaggerating at all. It was like that. And you would just go, there's everybody who got in trouble in port. Max, have you ever worked with UMC, Anglico, or Fast Companies? No, I have not. I'm not even sure what those are. What's up, Anthony? Welcome back. How's it been? It's been great. Everything's been great. I knew a guy on the Ike in the mid-80s. Nice. Greenies. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so the, the restriction on the ship is, um, is no joke. I never had to do restriction, luckily. Scuttlebutt, nice to see you. I have some horrible news. The guy who voiced and did motion capture for Irish Battlefield 4 passed away. I feel so bad. Found by his nephew. Yes, Iron Lotus, we've been talking. We talked about that the last, uh, was it yesterday or two days ago? We had that story on the show. Yeah, that, that is sad. And I talked about uh, how, how much of a great job I think he did. He did a fantastic job. His, his voice acting when we were playing Battlefield 4 got me uh, mo- downright emotional at the, end of the, at the end of the game in the final uh, credit sequence. Man, that is sad. That is definitely sad. And it'll for sure affect uh, the future of Battlefield 2042 when that game comes out, hopefully uh, in beta at the end of this month. So we've got uh, crazy stories today. Crazy. So we've got one today. Um, we got to get moving so we make it through all the stories today. We have an update. What about smoking or vaping in the military? I don't vape. I think it's dumb. Um, well, there. what about it? You can smoke. Although you have to be, a, I think you have to be 21 to smoke now, right? I see that when I go into the little exchanges, you have to be 21 to buy tobacco, but you can smoke and dip in the military, especially dip. People dip like crazy and people vape as well. I'll be driving behind somebody and all of a sudden a cloud of smoke comes out of their car, like they're Puff the Magic Dragon or something like that. And they, I, I feel like people think they look cool, but they really look so silly. Nathan, what's up? Would you like to try Battlefield 2042 mobile this September? I sure would. Are you offering it? Do you have like a, a code or something like that? Hey, Max, thinking on doing five years in the Marine Corps and then going Natty Guard. Any thoughts? Well, once you go Marines, everything else will be easy. That's for sure. Um, a lot of people do that, though. A lot of people do branch transfers, and I think that it's a, uh, I think it's a really interesting way to go, serving two branches in the military. I think it's really cool, actually. So if you... If you are thinking about that, one piece of advice I would give you is to not think that far ahead. Like you should be thinking ahead, but you should also understand that your your path is going to change too. Your path is going to change. And you should be willing to change. You have to be willing because if you have this idea that you're going to do five years in the Marine Corps and then go to the National Guard, make sure you're looking around going, wait a second, do I actually like the Marine Corps? Do I want to go become a civilian? Is there something I want to do in the civilian sector? Do I want to use that GI Bill? What do I want to do? So just always make sure you're willing to be flexible um, because you've got a a long life ahead of you, especially after joining the Marine Corps. A lot's going to happen. A lot's going to change. Just uh, they say Semper Gumby. Always be flexible. It's true. Always have a plan, but then be willing to pivot too. Scuttlebutt, he was also a huge star and a very popular and beloved show, The Wire. Yes. I have not ever seen The Wire though, to, to tell you the truth. Dip is disgusting. Never thought I'd serve in two. Yeah, that's true. AB Bravo served in the, in the Navy and the Army. Maximum beta test for Battlefield year 4578. Want the download link? Sure, you can send it to me at thescuttlebuttshowgmail.com. <laughs> Dip is amazing. I've never dipped except for one time I licked the top of a can of dip. This is when I was an undesignated airman. And I was like, let me see what it tastes like. And then I barfed. And that was the only time ever. So I did it wrong, and it was gross, and it made me barf. It was like Copenhagen or something like that. Wintergreen flavor. Check Play Store for the beta Battlefield 2042 mobile or let me post the link here. If you want to post the link, I'll check it out. Don't post any links to uh, anything crazy. We had a guy who was prior army before going Navy. The guy was a huge crybaby. He whined about everything. I had a, uh, I had many people that I've known who were in the Marine, Marine Corps and then went to the Navy actually. Surprisingly, a lot. A lot of people who were in the Marine Corps and then went into the Navy. And when that Marine Corps came out, you were like, oh yeah, they still have that Marine Corps in them for sure. Uh, I think Marines have the craziest time transitioning to another branch because the Marines is the most disciplined, the most tough, the most hardcore with PT. So everything else is going to seem lame. 
Space Force has orbital warfare. Nice. Tried it, almost puked. Nicotine is a crazy drug. Yeah, I can't believe nicotine's legal and marijuana's not. How about that? All right, we got to move on. We got to move on, guys. I'll catch up on comments at the next break, but we have a story here that uh, we've got to get to. It's a follow-up on a Navy helicopter that crashed on the Abraham Lincoln, resulting in the death of five sailors from HSC-8. Navy releases more details on what caused last week's fatal helicopter crash. They're saying vibrations played a role. So we've got a Navy helicopter that crashed in the Pacific Ocean last week, killing five sailors, touched down aboard the aircraft carrier, the Abraham Lincoln, and experienced side-to-side vibrations that caused the aircraft's main rotor to strike the deck before the aircraft fell off the side of the ship. So what they're saying here, this is this sounds like, from just thinking about being on a flight deck at the time that something like that happens, sounds terrifying. So what I think that what they're saying happened here, because I've read on in the article, is that the, sh- the, the helicopter was on deck on board the, uh, the Lincoln when the rotor blades they suspect might have been off-balanced. And the result of the rotor blades being off-balanced and sitting on the flight deck caused the helicopter to start wobbling like this, left and right. And ultimately, and probably very quickly because of the amount of force behind the momentum of those blades, in probably just a few oscillations, one of the main rotor blades, which are like 22 feet long or something like that, Justin fact check me on there, 18 feet long, 22 feet long, uh, hit the deck and probably sh- just sent a bunch of non-skid and, and uh, aircraft uh, metal flying. And then probably the next time that it, vibrated back the other way, it went overboard. And then that's how the five sailors on board the helicopter were killed. You see them here. U.S. Third Fleet confirmed the sequence of events laid out by the Safety Center, but declined to comment further. The helicopter was assigned to HSC-8, and the HSC-8 Officer Spouses Club has set up fundraising, so you guys can go find. If you look up HSC-8 on Facebook or on GoFundMe, I think, is what they're going through. You can find ways to support the family members. Side-to-side vibration in a helicopter feels like two people pushing back and forth on each side of the aircraft, according to Michael Kanders, a retired military rescue pilot who flew helos for the Navy and later the Air Force. Kanders declined to speculate on what might have caused the crash, but told Navy Times that side-to-side vibrations can occur if rotor blades are out of balance. Balancing rotor blades is a complicated maintenance task performed by uh, airframers, who have some of the most critical flight systems, safety of flight systems that exist on an aircraft. And they have a, they have a massive amount of responsibility. Airframers and mechs or aviation machinist mates. If I have that, if I remember that, is that it? Is that, do I have that right? Somebody check me in there. Um, ADs or aviation machinist mates have the most important job as far as safety of flight goes. All of their systems have to, and they have a very technical job too of balancing blades, performing hydraulic control checks, rigging the flight control. So that way when the pilot makes a movement, the right thing that they're expecting to happen happens. Tons of stuff. Make sure hydraulic systems are serviced correctly. If there's one little gap of air, I, I, uh, Gave a theory that it could have been a hydraulic system failure, losing tail rotor control, but it looks like it's a, a ro- the theory here from Michael Kanders is that it was a main rotor vibration issue. All of that has to be car- carefully balanced to make sure you don't have these sorts of excessive vibrations. He says he is now the director of an aviation center in Farmingdale State College in New York. After those rotor blades struck the deck and the helicopter fell off the ship's side, the helicopter would likely have sunk fast, but that would also depend on how it struck the water. He goes on to say about how the ship does have rescue capabilities and uh, and that they were probably responding pretty quickly. Like I said, they would have had another helicopter in the air with a very good chance of that helicopter also being from HSC-8. So it might have been HSC-8 personnel trying to rescue HSC-8 personnel, which would have been incredibly dramatic to watch those events unfold and traumatic as well for the people on there. The pilots, watching, the pilots and air crew watching their teammates go down would be... I'm getting the chills thinking about it. It'd be pretty rough to watch. Scuttlebutt, I swear helicopters are death traps waiting to happen, in my opinion. They're very dangerous. If the tail rotor goes out, the torque of the main rotor could spin the whole bird around like a top. True, helos launched from the 
near the edge of the flight deck, so it's a 60-foot drop into the sea. My, Justin says his Natops knowledge is getting fuzzy. Ask me about personal recovery or 50 cals. My stomach still gets wrapped in knots listening and thinking about this. Yeah, <clears throat> so they probably hit the deck with quite a bit of force. And I do have to correct myself. Justin helped me uh, with that, with this. And I think we talked about it briefly, but that the corpsmen on board were flight medics and they were, they did have aircrew wings. So they were trained in egress and how to be on board the helicopter. So everyone probably would have had about three seconds to find a reference point, brace for impact, maintain consciousness and cell and uh, situational awareness after the impact and then escape the helicopter. It was extremely dangerous and, uh, and, and probably happened really, really fast. And so it, it was likely a, a very unsurvivable situation for the people on board. Um, ah, it's crazy. To, that one's, that one gets me because my, I guess my background working on those exact helicopters, these are the helicopters that I worked on, uh, that you see in the picture right here. And these are also the helicopters that Justin in the chat was an air crewman on. And we would go fly in these things. We would work on these things. And uh, um, all the little, if you see all the antennas and stuff on there, those little parts that I worked on. But the job is incredibly dangerous. The maintenance is incredibly challenging and difficult and stressful. For So the other day, if you guys were listening to the show, when I was talking about how stressful this must be for the, for the crew and the maintainers on board uh, HSC-8, based on this new news, I can... Only now, in my worst nightmares, imagine what it would be like to be the last airframers who worked on those rotor blades with this news coming out with the Naval Safety... Because the Naval Safety Center and National Transportation Safety Board will investigate these uh, incidents, and they will come up with a cause. And if they determine that the cause was maintenance, improper maintenance, or something like maintenance malpractice, where the maintenance was, let's say, gun-decked. Gun-decked is a term in the Navy for effectively... You say you did something, but you didn't. Or you say you did it, but you did it wrong. You didn't know how to do it, and you knowingly, fraudulently claim to complete a job or a task. That's gun decking. And for every, I hope that that's not the case. I would have a hard time having a lot of sympathy for somebody who gun decked maintenance, and as a result, this crash happened. But for everyone out there who's now having to endure this investigation, it's it's really, really uh, brutal for them. Everything I've seen from other AW rates makes me uh, makes it seem like they're SMT and aircrew from eight. Okay. Carry ops. Thank you, Justin. Carry ops are dangerous for sure. Midnight job for sure. Can't imagine falling off that carrier. Yeah, it's about 100 feet down. Seahawks pilot job scares me. How are they able to land under stress and rough sea winds? Seahawk pilots... Uh, those helicopters landing, helicopters landing on aircraft carriers, pitching and rolling in the sea. Not only that, but remember they're moving too. These ships are not just, they're not just sitting in the water, pitching and rolling and listing. They are going forward too. So they have to match the speed, then land safely on it while it's not stable. Max taught me how to lick cancerous compounds, installing antennas and a lot more maintenance stuff. Yeah. I think about that often. Justin, I think about hazmat I've worked with inappropriately all the time. An old compound called PD680 that would make the skin melt off your hands and it would melt right through your gloves as well. Max, have you ever worked with assault amphibian Marines? No, I have not. I've worked with very few Marines besides infantry. The, it, anything, I've, anything besides infantry Marines, I have very little experience with. How you doing? Ed, what's up? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. We had 46s from HC8, Dragon Whales. Their debts were all solid. We never had any problems with all the vert reps we did. Nearly 200 unreps per deployment. Yeah. The uh, the vert reps, so when, when Justin and I were deployed on the USNS bridge, the mission was vert rep. That was the main thing. So, um, so you would have, you would have daily, multiple, potentially multiple ships doing vert reps daily moving pallets and gear and parts from one ship to the other via helicopters flying that probably thousands of missions or, or thousands of individual, uh, movements of gear from one deck to the other. And we had no issues on my deployment either. Luckily, um, very thankful for that. Now that I look back on it, I guess, uh, it's only now looking back on it that I'm just incredibly grateful that nothing bad happened. And I almost get like this, 
PTSD of, uh, am I sure nothing bad happened? Like I still, I still look back going like, oh my God, did I, am I sure we did everything right? You know, I still have these moments where I kind of freak out about it. I think I've talked about that before on the show. Max, can a service member be charged for an accident like this? Great question, contractor. In a worst case scenario, in a worst case scenario, if this was maintenance, I'm just saying I don't know any of this to be relevant to this particular case, but if this was an instance of maintenance, malpractice, negligent gun decking, a sailor could be charged with murder. They could be charged with murder for, uh, for gun decking maintenance that resulted in the deaths of those five sailors. So in a, in a, in a horrible world where people lied and did things wrong, then um, yeah, they could be charged. All right, guys, Ooh, we are going, we are having a, we are way over time on where I need to be at in the show right now to get through all the stories today to get you out of here at the top of the hour. So make sure you guys like this video, share it, check out links in the description down below for all the ways to support the channel, including these Midrats t-shirts, which are, uh, I'm, I'm loving this shirt. I am. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I am loving it. Uh, new merch coming out soon, working on all kinds of new stuff and updates on that probably before the end of the week. I hope, I hope I'm working on it. Um, but we've got another story we got to get to right here. South Korean police arrest woman suspected of beating three-year-old son of Camp Humphreys soldier to death. And when you find out the details of this, it's going to leave you shook to your core. We've got a terrifying story out of Camp Humphreys here. And I don't, I'm going to give you a heads up right now. I don't just blame the woman who killed the kid here. But I blame the, the parent as well, and you'll see why. A woman from the Philippines is under arrest on suspicion of beating to death the three-year-old son of a U.S. soldier left in her care, according to South Korean police. So this woman from the Philippines moved to South Korea after marrying a Korean who eventually they divorced and knew the father of this child from a local bar, from a bar, and the guy turned over his seven and three-year-old kid to this lady and she beat the three-year-old to death because she believed he had been possessed by an evil spirit. And wait till you see how they found her. Police declared the child dead after finding his bruised body Sunday morning at a home in Pyeongtaek City near Camp Humphreys. Arrested the same morning, the unidentified woman who's 30 years old told police she had, in quotes, beaten the child to death in order to send him to heaven because the child was possessed by an evil spirit. Sick. Police responded to a disturbance call from local residents who said they found another child, a seven-year-old boy, crying outside the home. The boy said, my younger brother appears dead, the boy told residents. Inside, the local residents found a younger boy unresponsive and contacted police. After declaring the boy dead, police found bruises on his face, back, and other parts of his body. The older boy was not injured. Police responded at 7.30 a.m. to a separate call of a naked, incoherent woman wandering the streets for 40 minutes. So this lady had totally lost her mind. After taking her into custody, Pyeongtaek police learned the boy's father had left them with her at 10 p.m. Sunday. The father's name the police not released was expected to pick them up Sunday morning. Left them at some random woman from the bar's house at 10 o'clock at night to pick him up the next morning. It doesn't say why he left them. The woman knew the soldier from a bar near Camp Humphreys where she worked. The investigator said the woman arrived in the country after marrying a South Korean man in 2019, but they divorced. They call it a, the 8th Army and 2nd ID, say it's a terrible tragedy, and they will do everything possible to care for the family in this time of profound grief and loss. How about hold the father accountable? How about hold the father accountable for dumping his kids off with some strange random woman that he met in a bar? How sick is this story? I can't believe it. He left his he left his kid, his two kids. I mean, I don't know if there's a mother in the picture here. I don't know if there's a baby mama in the picture here. I mean, there's obviously a mom out there somewhere, but where's the mom? She, imagine being the mom and finding out that your husband ditched the kids with some random lady from a bar at 10 o'clock at night, and then in the morning find his three-year-old dead by some psychopath, some psycho you know, witch lady who believed the kid was possessed by an evil spirit and had to send him to heaven. That's so sick. Absolutely horrible. I'm totally sickened by this story. I hope they 
even though she's obviously totally mentally ill, I hope they throw her in prison for the rest of her life. Imagine you're a seven-year-old and you watch your three-year-old brother beaten to death. Unbelievable. I can't even think about it. I can't even think about it. So crazy. Ah, So that's that story. That's all the information we have now, but I'll follow up. You know I'll follow up with that. When new information comes out, you know I'll follow up and we'll see what's really going on there. We'll see what's, uh, what ends up being the, the reason why that kid was left there in the first place, where the mother is. <clears throat> out of control. Nathan says, if any military vehicles like jets and choppers got overboard to sea, did they take it back to the carrier repair or just leave it riding in the sea? Um, a lot of them are still just in the sea. A lot of them stay in the sea. Some of them get recovered, salvaged. If they were negligent, it could be manslaughter. It could be murder. If they gun decked, it could be murder, Larry. Max, did you cover the story where some Marines died in the AAV accident? Oh, yeah, we covered it a lot. Depending on the depth, they'll recover what they can find. We did waste a lot of engines on the deployment. That's right, Justin. We had gone through like eight engines. Sometimes we had to, not we, but the mechs, the ADs, had to replace an engine and then replace that engine. That was crazy. Maintenance on that deployment made me feel the safest. Second deployment, I caught them working on the head rotor brake without any math. Damn, dude. Wow. If you guys don't know what Justin's saying, basically that's maintenance malpractice right there. She's insane. Marrying foreign nationals is sketchy in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of true. This is why I'm lenient towards atheism. Yeah, I mean, it's just another religion, honestly. We should be lenient towards all of them as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Koreans have superstitious religion and anything bad evil spirits work. I'm sorry for this child. How divorcing a local from overseas work if you divorce them and have kids? Uh, it's complicated. I don't even know. She's sick. That sucks. The father needs to be held accountable too. I, I potentially agree with you. We need more information, but that's what it sounds like. Children just doing what child do, man, but the woman religion believes in evil spirits and stuff. That witchcraft is just an excuse, yeah. An exorcism. What are the sentences for that in South Korea? Probably pretty severe. Bobby, what's up? I'm late, but was it in North Korea or South Korea? It was South Korea. And that's murder for real. South Korea. South Korea. And we've got a, you know, we were talking about Rambo, El Rambo in the chat, who's in Marine Corps boot camp right now as we speak. I've got a story here um, that I'm going to jump right into. Hope, hope Rambo's doing well. Marine recruit found dead on Paris Island. Investigation is underway. So Marine recruit died in training in Paris Island. A Marine recruit was pronounced dead Tuesday morning at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island. The recruit was found dead at 7.30 a.m. This is only one of a bunch of stories that we've covered about Marine recruits dying in the last year or two. And it's the second one. It's actually the second one where they say the cause of death was falling from a balcony. So this is the second recruit that we've had falling from a balcony death in in the last year. The recruit's name will not be released until 24 hours after the family has been told, so we'll do an update on this. We sh- the name should be available uh, by the end of the week here. NCIS is investigating. An autopsy for the recruit's been scheduled for 8.30 a.m. Thursday. The death comes three months after another Marine recruit, Dalton Beals, died during the crucible, which they said could be a factor of heat and hydration. There have been at least eight trainee deaths at Paris Island, one of the only two Marine Corps training stations in the country. 19,000 recruits are trained there annually. So this is the uh, this is the second fall death of a recruit, and we'll find out if it's suicide, an accident, whatever they end up saying that the cause of death was intentional, unintentional. Was he killed? We'll find out. Right now, I don't have that information for you guys, but it just this is breaking news. They'll announce the name at by the end of the week, and hopefully, a cause of death after the autopsy is performed on Thursday, and I will follow up with you guys to let them know. So. What do you guys think? What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like an accident? Does that sound like a suicide? It kind of sounds like a suicide to me, but it's way too early to start making um, making guesses on that with any sort of confidence. So here you've got a picture of Marines marching with their rucks on. So did somebody say in the chat yesterday about doing a 12-mile ruck in three and a half hours? The standard for us was three hours. The 12-mile ruck standard was three hours. Had to be done. It was extremely difficult to make that time. You basically have to run uh, a lot of it on uneven terrain. So it's no joke. If you guys think 12 miles in three hours, you're like, oh, that's easy. No problem. Put on that 45, 50-pound pack, all that, all your kit, helmet, weapon, 
Let me know how you do. Hey, Scuttlebutt, do you think the U.S. military should continue yelling in basic training and boot camp and some other soldiers from different countries believe it's a waste of yelling? I don't think so. I think the yelling is good. I think the yelling is important. I think that it creates the chaos that you experience when your, your world is collapsing around you. If you're in combat, if you're in, uh, if you're on a ship and that ship's been in an accident and you're in a damage control situation, it's going to be loud. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be scary. The point of the yelling is to get you, you to focus your mind when there's chaos all around you, when you're being yelled at, when you're being screamed at, when you feel kind of in danger and then still perform, still do your job, complete tasks, stay mission oriented. That's the point of it. So I totally, uh, I totally think that you should continue the yelling, but the yelling should always be intentional with a purpose. And if they find a better way to do it, I'm always open to improvements, but I think the yelling is a great way to do it. I think throwing a trash can down the center of your barracks, your birthing in boot camp. I think all that stuff is great. I think it does a great job making you feel confused, getting overwhelmed by events, feeling that kind of chaos around you, like I was describing, and then still being able to remain calm and focused on the task at hand. That's the point. And I think that's incredibly valuable actually to do. If a trainee dies in training, do they earn the title or no? That's a good question. I think the answer is sometimes. I think the answer is it depends when and how. So I'm not sure. I think Rambo is about six more weeks in boot camp. I think six more weeks. We lost guys in basic in my day, six lane. Damn, sorry to hear that. I think you've told me that story before, but for everyone else, uh, I, I didn't. We didn't have anything like that in my in Navy boot camp. Was not very common. Ed says things, suicide, whatever it is in the military, we'll always try to cover it up. That's why I'm glad we have good news organizations like Stars and Stripes, who does great reporting on military news stories. And uh, if you guys are interested in military news and you want to get it from somewhere else besides me, Stars and Stripes is a great place to start. They should have a ask to pull out in case military training becomes life-threatening. They do. They do have that. It's called training timeout. But I don't think I would call it ask to pull out. I think... Uh, that leaves you too, too open for uh, scrutiny there. Yelling is motivated, sense of urgency. I think it's useful. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Those are my thoughts. I think it's great. Drop kick in a garbage can in the barracks is a classic move. You know, for me, I didn't want to go to boot camp and have it easy. If you're going to boot camp, wouldn't you want it to be the hardest boot camp it can possibly be? Why would you want it to be easy? Why would you want to go to the easy boot camp if, if it used to be harder? I don't want that. You're doing it anyway. You're, if you're going through this training, if you're going to be there nine weeks either way, please make it as difficult as humanly possible for me. That way I get the most out of it. That way I grow the most from it. You grow from the adversity. You grow through the difficult times. You don't want it to be easy. It would be completely unfulfilling. If it was easy, it, would be unful it wouldn't be anything to be proud of. If it was easy, you wouldn't be crying when you get your Navy ball cap or you get your Eagle Globe and Anchor. You don't want it to be easy. I absolutely would would push back against anybody trying to make make the reasoning for changes to military training because it, it, it would be easier or more people would get through or something like that. My dad is so athletic, he's still running away. <laughs> that really made me laugh. That's really good. I love seeing these militias acting and dressing like military personnel, like just join or just admit you're scared to join. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some of that out there for sure. I saw some of that in Virginia. All right, here's our last story of today. We might make it just on time, you guys. Tired of dating jerks? The army is here to help. I thought I was, you know, imagining things that this was duffel blog when I saw it at first. So the army, who is the worst in the business as far as... Uh, Sexual assault, pedophilia, equal opportunity problems, fraternization, you name it. We've got stories from them every day. But now the Army is planning to teach the Army's V Corps here is here to save the day with a workshop entitled Don't Date a Jerk. 
It is really important now to schedule and provide classes like these for soldiers, says V Corps Chaplain Captain Brad Wizio, Wizzo Mierski. What a name. The Army wants to make sure we're putting training and value back into developing healthy relationships. That name, if you listen on the podcast, is W-Y-S-O-M-I-E-R-S-K-I, Wizzo Mierski. Sounds like a spell. Where was this when I was in college? Sure would have saved me a decade of heartache. Yeah, I don't think that a, 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 a class called Don't Date a Jerk is going to actually help anybody. Call me crazy. But I don't think this is going to actually make any difference for anybody. I want to see the curriculum. I, I really want to get my hands on the PowerPoint presentation behind this and go over it with you guys. It's really important now to schedule and provide classes like these for soldiers. The Army wants to make sure we're putting training and value back into developing healthy relationships. Is this for girls or guys? When you say don't date a jerk, that sounds like it's for guys. Through the Army's People First Initiative, V Corps hosts Strong Bonds, a unit-based chaplain-led program seeking to enhance soldier resiliency through personal enrichment. How lame is this? Sometimes soldiers don't make the right decisions because they don't have the right tools. Our goal is to teach them how to have a lasting relationship and to give them the tools to add to their personal endeavors. What's this going to be like? Like, hey, did you go on a first date with somebody? Did they drink 80 beers and then punch you in the face? That's a jerk. You don't want to date a jerk. Date a nice guy. Did you go on a date with a lady and she told you that she's mostly just interested in your TRICARE? and that she's hoping to get pregnant as soon as possible, don't date a jerk. That's a warning sign right there. Did you meet her at a gentleman's club? Don't date a jerk. Did you meet him at your career counseling because he's your sergeant major? Don't date a jerk. I feel like I could have handled this. I could have written this curriculum. Army, where's Emma? You need to show us proof of life. The Army needs to provide proof of life for Emma. Where is she? Is she doing okay? Are the Patriot missiles okay? Please, Emma. Emma, are you out there? Are you good? Emma, please email me, thescuttlebuttshow@gmail.com, or any of you guys, feel free to reach out to me at thescuttlebuttshow@gmail.com. If there's anything you want to tell me, how am I doing? Am I doing a good job, a bad job? A medium job, you guys let me know. Also, if you want to tell me I'm doing a good job, a great, way to do it, a great way to do it is to support the channel via the links in the description down below. You can join this channel as a member. You can join Patreon, where if you become an elite patron on your second month, I'm going to send you a free t-shirt from our online store, scuttlebuttshow.com. That's only available for patrons. It's a custom shirt. And then you can buy shirts like this Midrat shirt from scuttlebuttshow.com and all that. One great way to help would just be to share these videos, share the channel, tell your friends to come watch the Scuttlebutt Show every Sunday through Thursday at 1800 Pacific Standard Time, as well as on the podcast. And if you, uh, if you get a chance, you would be doing me a huge favor to go to the Scuttlebutt Show podcast and leave a review. Just leave five stars or however many stars you think I deserve and maybe leave a comment on it. And that would be doing me a huge favor. You guys are the best Thank you for being the best audience on YouTube. We've got uh, some comments to catch up on here. I love seeing these militias. I loved the I almost joined butt guy totally. I saw Ika, Ika's dad running past my house the other day. What are the helping troopers how to get out of the barracks? Me and Mary with two weeks. Yes. I love that. Calm down, Harry Potter. <laughs> yes, epic. Pass. Pretty sure they don't make the right decisions because they are tools. Yeah, 100%. I feel sorry for the soldier who got cheated on by their fiancés. True. Max for Army Dating Instructor. Yes, I'm, I'm running for that program. Who is Emma? Emma from the Army Woke ad, the female from the Army's Woke ad, who uh, has two moms and has been fighting for freedom for a long time. Army Recruitment Ads Lady. Yep. Scuttlebutt Show plus Dating with Max. Yep. Emma's two, Emma has two moms. Yep. 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 The Army needs pr to provide proof of life from Emma, I swear. I hope she's doing okay out there. All right, guys, somehow we made it. Somehow we made it. It's about to be the top of the hour, and uh, we're about to wrap up the show. Thank you for joining me today. Tomorrow's Thursday out here in, in Okinawa, Japan, the penultimate episode. I'm looking forward to that with you guys. And then Friday will be Kwanda Friday, Q&A. As always, I'll show up with no plan, and we can just chat and have a good old time. Thank you all for being here today. As always, in all the comments, you guys are the best. Totally awesome. If you guys want to reach out to me, thescuttlebuttshow@gmail.com, or leave me a comment. I did check. There was no Stu Scheller updates today, but I'll check again tomorrow as always. The only updates I really have are the comments people are leaving me, which are epic. I mean, 
just amazing. The, the comments are extreme. So I know people out there feel really empowered by watching a leader stand up to a leader because they feel powerless in their own lives. But my YouTube channel comment section is not furthering your progress anywhere, everyone. And uh, time will tell how that all works out. So with all that being said, thank you guys for being here. I know I've said it a thousand times, but I really mean it. You guys are just the best. As always, it's been a fantastic hour and I'll be back tomorrow. And until then, until we're back tomorrow for now, that's the scuttlebutt.